Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. So we're six days away from the Randolph's Grand National. Immediately off the back of that, we'll be launching into the classic trials, welcoming the mirrors, David Yates and James Savage, assistant trainer to Sir Michael Stout to the show. Good to, good to have you back, James. Morning. Thanks, thanks for having me on. And if every horse in your yard isn't a superstar at this stage of the season, it's time to give up the game, isn't it? Exactly. The bubbles haven't burst yet, so everything's still still, um, still good. and uh, They're all well and they're, they're nearly, nearly at their fitness, so ready to start making some entries. And how's how's Sir Michael? How's he? He's how's in he good doing? form, good order. Yeah, yeah. Always, always, always nice in the spring. Let's say having them ready just to start making some entry. So, so we're there now. So, we're going to get stuck into Desert Crown, Baybridge, Nostrum, and more a little bit later in the programme. David, you well? Uh, very well, thanks, Nick. Yeah, looking uh, forward to next week. Yeah, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Pullouts every day, of course, in the Daily Mirror. Don't forget uh, to buy those. So, yeah. Very much looking forward to it. It's, it. I love Aintree. I love going to Liverpool. I think it's a fantastic city to uh, to spend time in. And, um, you know, th this year's race looks as, as fascinating as, as ever, doesn't it? The, the last few years have returned among 4-1 to favourite Tiger Roll. We've had 66-1, to 33s, 100-1, to 50-1 to last year. He said getting his excuses in first. Uh, and presumably you as a a red top racing correspondent this is the biggest day of your year by far isn't it's, it it's the biggest selling it's the biggest seller of the entire year for the for the papers for i the think paper. it is with most papers it certainly is with us um, and that that in itself is an amazing thing isn't it that the the enduring appeal of the grand national you know we live in our own racing parish and we we fear that we're shrinking in terms of the national consciousness the fact that the biggest among the newspapers, the biggest seller out of 365 days is the Grand National. Really says something to you that it, it, on, on those big days it still resonates. Well, there is no doubt that the sport of horse racing resonates particularly strongly in Australia, as it has been over the last week with this clash that's been built up, according to one Australian journalist, of ashes-like intensity between the multiple grade one winner Animo and William Haggis's Dubai Honour. Well, really, it was a very one-sided affair in the end. Dubai Honour fair bolted up in the Queen Elizabeth, uh, giving Tom Marquand and William Haggis another victory in this race. It was echoing the great rivalry between their Adabe and the star Australian mare, very elegant, of a couple of years ago. Tom Marquand, of course, has only recently come back from injury. He's been riding winners for... Plenty of local trainers as well uh, at Randwick, as well as this famous victory uh, for William Haggis, who this time, post-COVID, was actually able to be there, which I know gave him an awful lot of pleasure. Tom joins us from Australia on the line now. Tom, uh, good morning, good evening to you. 
<laughs> Good morning, Nick. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Um, no rest for the wicked. What have you been? What have you been up to today? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, to, to, to be honest, uh, there, was, there was actually a bit of a rest today for once. Um, obviously, having William over was fantastic, and um, obviously went out went out to Canterbury first thing this morning to to go and uh, check all the horses over, and um, obviously see see uh, yesterday's champion, and um, then went out and got a bit of lunch and. Uh, look, it was fantastic to have him here, um, to be able to, to to enjoy it with us this time, and um, yeah, it was it, it was an incredible day, and, and and just having today to to relax and uh, enjoy it with Izzy, Adam, and James um, with the boss was 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 great. Yeah, this is a a huge effort, and and once again, William has produced this group of horses to peak going down to Australia. I mean, the debate will always rage. To what extent does Dubai on a need to raise his game, or does he just need to do what he can do in Europe? And and the Austra- European Middle Eastern sources are that much better than the locals. What's what sort of your feeling on that? Um, I think being realistic, he's a he's a horse that's done extremely well for for coming down here, getting a bit of sun on his back, and um, like from from. Uh, very quickly in the trip, it was evident that he was really thriving off coming here. So um, I think I think it's an element of look, obviously Williams uh, targeted races like the Queen Elizabeth and the Ranvit um, to absolute perfection the last few years. And um, while while there's an element that yes, it it, it probably is a division that um, doesn't have the strongest hand down here. I think I think um, yeah, William has shown that. He's he's he's, he's uh, absolutely spot on in, in the horses that he's chosen and and the reasons why and um, yeah those decisions have been justified and I think it's it's probably just a mixture of of, of both coming together and the and the stars aligning. Talk to me about the personal satisfaction, Tom, that you derive from from riding in Australia uh, and how it's developed your your career as a whole. Yeah, I mean Australia's obviously been pivotal in my career the last few years with. Uh, Dave initially coming down. Um, sorry, don't worry, I'm not driving. <laughs> I had to pitch up in the car. Um, uh, with the Dave coming down initially, you know, he 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 took me onto a Group One stage, and um, you know, Australia's become a big part of my career. And obviously now, uh, with William making it something consistent in the calendar, it's 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 been fantastic. And you know, you're uh, we we're coming to the other side of the world and competing in in one of the worlds. Um, what has previously been one of the world's highest rated races and um you know so it's, it's it's an honor and it's what you aim to do as a jockey and uh, and obviously as a as a trainer in williams eyes it's um he's competing at the highest level and and and, and traveling the world at the same time it's, it's it's good fun and it's what we all do it for and take pleasure in uh, the way the the races unfold conducive to sort of improving your riding obviously you're established now as as right up there as, as one of the world's elite riders, but but to what extent does going and riding somewhere where the style of racing is slightly different help you? Yeah, I think it's 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 really important, as in anything, to sort of bring a bit of a variety and uh, try and add strings to your bow, no matter no matter what you do in life. And um, I think you know, for for jockeys and sportsmen alike, I, being able to go and experience a different way of approaching things and doing it is um, is only something that sort of furthers uh, furthers your knowledge and 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 as well your appreciation for what goes on. Um, you know, I know 
for me sort of seeing the process of Williams horses coming down here and everything they have to go through and, 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 and the team surrounding that at home. And then obviously um, the team that actually travel with the horses themselves, like it's, it's, uh, it's, it, I think it's almost a part of maturing within, within horse racing, seeing all of that and getting to experience it. And um, yeah, to me, it's been of huge benefits, both riding wise and probably on a personal level too. Mm. And what's the plan now for this little group of horses that, that's gone down there? Uh, so as, as as far as I know, to be honest, um, I think protagonist is aiming next weekend at uh, Group 3, I think it's called the JRA Plate. Um, so the I think all systems go for him this weekend. Uh, Purple Pay, I think, uh, as it stands, will probably come home, um, as, as far as I know. And obviously, uh, it's been spoken about quite a lot now <laughs> after yesterday. Uh, Dubai Honor is going to head to Hong yeah. Kong on the 30th of April, which, um, you know, while he's in such great form, it's uh, it's a fantastic opportunity to go and compete in another um, uh, uh, another extremely competitive Group One. And um, yeah, hopefully he can he can follow on from where he left off yesterday. Tom, when you come back to to England, come back to Europe, which horse are you most looking forward to riding? I think it's a, um, it's a tough one to choose between probably a handful, but I think um, my my Prospero is probably the one horse that really just uh, probably steps his uh, toe out that a little bit more, uh, just in my mind, for whatever reason. Um, he was obviously, um, you know, pretty lightly raced still and uh, exactly the sort of horse that William just uh, seems to be able to keep improving through their career and, um, you know, the, the, the feel he was giving me last year was incredible and um, he was a horse that just didn't feel like he'd reached his full potential yet. So we're, we're really hoping that he can take that step forward and um, go on and, and do some spectacular things this season, all being well. We are only six days away from the Randox Grand National and there's been significant speculation as to whether there would be a full field. Just looking down the list, it appears as though there probably will be, if you take out the horses who are likely to go to Fairy House tomorrow. And right on the cusp, you fancy, will be back on the lash, who's won over the cross-country fences at Cheltenham. He's trained by Martin Keithley, has come for a little bit of money at huge odds this week and is owned by Harry Redknapp, who joins us now. Harry, good morning. Nick, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Anxious moments, I suppose. Um, uh, seeing whether back on the lash is going to get into get into the into the Grand National for you as someone who has been a lifelong devotee of this sport. What would it mean to you if he squeezed in? Love it. I mean, I've never had a runner in the National, Nick, so it would be it would be special, you know. And uh, I'm actually involved in a little partnership that you know with a couple of other people. We've all got a couple of us. Uh, uh, own back on the lash so it's not just uh it's one of the few horses i haven't got on my own lucky enough i've got a, some other people helping to pay the bill with that one so um but no it would be fantastic to go to aintree and uh, to actually have a runner obviously hoping we get in hoping one or two come out but uh, and also we're pretty ground dependent we really don't need heavy ground if the rain really came we would have a problem so he's a, a horse that, that wants top of the ground, but as I say, he's, he's proven himself over unusual obstacles before. What yeah. kind of vibes are you getting from the from the trainer, Martin Keithley? Uh, good. I mean, Martin's built five uh, Grand National fences um, at uh, down you know on, on his gallops, and so he's been schooling him over the Grand National 
exact replicas of the Grand National fences. So he's been getting plenty of practice in. So he's, he's ready to go. We're just hoping that, as I say, hope we we manage to get in and one or two do come out before uh, before it closes. And, we, and we're, we're, we've got a runner next week and I shall be heading up to Aintree. Looking forward to that. Now, Harry, you you don't mind how the winners come, whether they're five furlongs or four miles or whatever, no. or even over cross-country fences, as we saw at Cheltenham back on trials day. What kind of a thrill was this? It, uh, it's fantastic. You know, um, it's it's just lovely. That, amazing. You know, to see him win there was, was special. It was, uh, I, I love Cheltenham anyway. You know, OK, it wasn't the festival, but uh, even so, it was, still, uh, it was still a great day to go to Cheltenham and, and be involved with the winner. So... Yeah, I, I, as you say, Nick, I, I, I'm just a big racing fan. I love the flat, I love the jumps. I'm, I'm, I, I just absolutely love the game and I love the people that are involved in it, to be honest. Great characters and, uh, yeah, it's, it's my big passion. And, Harry, you're, you're spending, you're able to spend at the moment quite a bit of time on, on this passion. Um, do you anticipate you having that sort of time in the, in the immediate future or...? Are the rumours to be believed? No, no, I've definitely got the time, Nick. I don't see myself doing anything else. Um, this is really where I'm at now. I think, you know, my, my days of managing are over. But um, this is what I enjoy doing. I've got a runner today at Foss Lass in the last jukebox man with Ben Paulin. We like him. He's, he's, he'd, have a, he'd have a chance today, even though I think there's a couple more in the race that look like they're well fancied according to the betting. So, uh, but no, we, we, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm... You know, I shall be glued to the TV later on today watching that run. I would have gone to Foss last, but that is a long journey for me from yeah. there. It's probably four or five, five hours, maybe even on a Sunday. But it's a, it's but a that feral was a great to, thrill to see him get up there, the courage he showed, and and to you know, Martin Keith is a great, great guy. You know, and he was he was delighted. He he deserved that. He's a fantastic fellow, great trainer. So I was really pleased for him as well. As I was going to say, it's a fair, fair trek to Aintree as well, but you'll be there if he runs. You'll go anyway, won't you, if Shake Him Up Harry gets into the... Is he going to go to the yeah. Red Rum? Yeah, yeah, I shall go anyway, yeah. So, yeah, I'll be setting off, setting off and, uh, and getting up there for that. Looking forward to that. So, um, yeah, a, a great week's racing coming up. You know, I look forward to it. I look at the calendar every week, week and, I, and if I can get a day's racing occasionally, I don't get as much as I, I'd like to, but... Uh, if there's been a bit of good racing on, I'll try to get there. And if I've got runners, obviously that's the idea of it. You know, you pay your fee, your training bills. You want to want to be there on the day that uh, they run, especially if they've got a chance of winning. Uh, and um, how many horses in total have you got in training at the moment, Harry? Well, my wife's just gone out the room. Nick says, so <laughs> "I could actually talk." I think I've got about twenty-five, but uh, I think only about eighteen are solely owned by me. Uh, I've got about seven other people, six or seven other people who maybe have a leg in with me or whatever, half share. But no, I've got a lot of horses, and um, but I do, I love it. As I say, it's my passion. So, so it's all racing from now on in. This man here, Absolutely. David Yates, he, he he writes for the Daily Mirror. Who the big headline in this morning's paper? Redknapp set to return to Spurs. Oh no! I didn't, I didn't write that, Harry. By the way. <laughs> I haven't seen that. My God, I'm ready. Tell them to give me a ring. I'll be up there tomorrow. Forget <laughs> the grub. I'm afraid I have to miss the Grand National next Saturday. <laughs> but uh, um, no, I don't, I don't see that. Daniel's got my phone number, Daniel Levy, and he hasn't rung me. So I think there's more chance of me being at Aintree next week. Quite a few 
of your clubs are in a bit of uh, peril at the moment, Harry. Yeah. Southampton, Bournemouth, West Ham. Yeah, What's going on? I, I think West Ham and Bournemouth will be OK. Uh, uh, Southampton, uh, they played OK yesterday, first half, and uh, but Man City are just on another level. So they've got it all on Southampton to survive this year. There's a few clubs in it, still Leicester, Notts Forest. It's it's so tight down the bottom. You lose one, you lose a game, and you're sucked back into the bottom three again. So it's going to be exciting into the season. And at the top today, we've got a great game. You know, Liverpool Arsenal today. That's a big decider in the title race. If Liverpool, if Arsenal don't win there today, it really the balance swings back towards Man City again. So it, it's so much to play for. And if it's not going to be you, who should it be at Spurs? Do you think? At Spurs, well, I thought Pochettino would probably go back in there. You know, he was a popular choice. I think the people, you know, they like him, the fans like him. But I don't know, if Daniel was going to take him, give him the job back, he'd have probably give it to him a few weeks ago. So, obviously, from, he, he, there's talk of the German, you know, Nagelsmann going there. But now Chelsea are looking for a manager, so they're probably after him as well. It's all to play for. Brendan Rodgers is available. He could be... a I know Daniel liked him back in the day, so he could be a possibility at Tottenham. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Harry, I've got I've got one final question for you, which kind of combines both sports in a sense, or at least your your love of sport and your knowledge of all sports with with horse racing. A big debate at the moment about whether we should declutter Saturdays and sort of spread the racing a bit more evenly, so that people can concentrate on the main event a bit more on a Saturday afternoon and take the pressure off some of the participants in the sport. As someone who's a, a lover of the game but also has a, a solid appreciation of what Saturday afternoon sport means, what do you think of that? Uh, there is a lot of racing, Nick, isn't there, on a Saturday? I must be honest, you know, I, I find myself getting a bit baffled and suddenly I've missed a race at somewhere that I'm watching a race somewhere else that's... Uh, I would like to watch. I, I think maybe that we do. We do tend, to, you know. Listen, I'm not a great judge of it all, like you are. But I, I think that I, I do think there, there are too many meetings sometimes on a Saturday, and I do find it hard to keep up with it all. But uh, but you know, during the week, I'd like to see a, you know one or two more meetings that I could uh, that we can get to. Let's uh, head to yesterday and to the feature race, which was the Queen's Cup at Musselburgh. And it was won by Wise Eagle, who has improved a huge amount since last August over a stone. Trained by Adam Nicholl. And I think Adam Nicholl is on the line now. Adam, good morning. Good morning, Nick. You all right? Yeah, very good. Thanks so much for joining us. Just tell us why yesterday was such a momentous day for, for you. Uh, just... Um for our small operation, really, it was just the biggest win to date. Um, and it was a fantastic day all around for everybody involved. And you've got a string of just, is it nine horses at the moment? Yeah, nine, nine horses, uh, a mixture of flat and jump. And this horse, Wise Eagle, he, he looks to have, I'm not going to say turned over a new leaf, he's just a very progressive horse, but... The way he snaps back on the bridle a furlong and a half out in a very high-class handicap marks him out as a horse who, who might have more to offer. How high do you think he could fly? Well, um, he's ju he just keeps improving. He keeps. I really don't know where his level is because, like yesterday, he had to run a career best to win that, and he's actually done it. You know, done it very well. Um, he obviously loves Musselburgh, but he's he's won it. Places like Newcastle, Catrick, 
he's um, he's quite a versatile horse. Obviously, handles the all weather. And with with these steers, I do think that uh, they get better with age. So I said to the lads after he'd won a couple that, you know, I didn't know, it, you know, job's kind of done really, and we didn't expect them to keep improving like this. So I I, I wouldn't like to say, but um, I, I I did say to Jenny, my partner, when he come in this year. I think after after a break, it's it's the best we've ever had him, uh, condition wise, and he he's strengthened up again. Adam, people will remember you from a successful riding career. Was it always the plan to transition to to training? Um, yeah. Uh, well, I've I grew up in sea houses here. My mother has a well. We did have a riding school, so I've always been around horses, and I went on to be a jockey. And when I was riding, I never really thought about training too much I was just quite uh, dedicated to riding but then as I got towards the end of my career I started thinking about the training and I always thought um, with the land we'll have here that we could potentially train and we've got the facility of going to the beach but Beedenal Beach and Bamra Beach and I just thought um, it was always an idea uh, towards the back end but it, it I couldn't believe that it's took off the way it has <clears throat> with just a small number of horses and uh Still learning on the job, really. Um, I did, I, when I finished riding, I went and rode out for Carl Burke for a few months. Learned quite a lot there. And obviously, I was based with Phil Kirby most mm. of my career, riding-wise. And uh, obviously, learned a hell of a lot of off, off Phil, um, who's quite a shrewd trainer. And just rode out for people like Nicky Richards and tried to pick things up along the way. Had a little stint, went down to David Jeffries. I'm good friends with David. And... Uh, learned quite a bit off him and it just sort of gone from there really and in terms of where where we see wise eagle next adam have you got a have you got a long term plan for him well uh, the two next options potentially could be there's a race at newmarket uh, mile 6 handicap i think that's the guineas festival week and there's also possibly the chester cup but I was going to have a word with Danny, uh, and we'll just have a little chat. He mentioned there's also, uh, maybe later on, at Royal Ascot, there's a, I think he won the race last year, there's a mile six handicap around there. I've forgotten the name of it. Um, I'll have to check that up. But there's quite a few options for these good staying handicaps for him. Adam, all the best with him. Great to talk to you. Congratulations on a terrific success yesterday. Uh, brilliant. Thank you very much. All right, cast your mind back, if you can, to Goodwood, August the 29th, 2021. You're thinking, don't be ridiculous. I can't remember what happened on that day. If I said to you, it's the day when they run a cellar at Goodwood and something a bit, a bit bizarre took place, you might remember Agaggio was a horse bought out of that cellar, three-runner cellar, by uh, Gary Robinson, who um, spoke to me after that race. This is what he said. Did you come here with a premeditated plan to buy one out of the cellar? No, absolutely not. I came here for a day of the races. I love the races. But today he won the race and actually, you know, it's brilliant. A total impulse buy? Yes. One of the greatest impulse buys of all time. Because after a, a whole glut of further wins in handicaps at Goodwood, the horses proved a revelation over hurdles as well, culminating in a success in a, a 50 grand race at Haydock Park yesterday, and uh, and Gary's with us again now. Morning, Gary. Morning, Nick. How are you? 
Uh, I'm, I'm very well. I mean, talk about fortune favouring the brave. This is a story that we have told once or twice, but it always bears retelling every time a Gaggio comes up with the goods for you. For those who can't remember, just remind us what happened on that day at, on that day at Goodwood. Well, he won the cellar, Nick. It was only, there was only three horses that were running in the cellar, and um, I decided it might be a good idea to buy him. I had no idea, really, what I was um, lining myself up for. Um, I understand the rules of sellers a little bit more than I did back then because I had no idea how I'd get him away from the race course, what we'd do with him. But fortunately, Gary Moore took him in and he's done a, a marvellous job for us. So it's true to say that when you put your hand up, you didn't actually realise when the gavel came down that at that very minute in time, he was yours and you were responsible for taking him away from the race course. Exactly that. I, I figured, you know, that I would just leave him at the course and have him collected that week. I was um, I was new to, to buying race horses. I got my account with a BHA that wasn't sort of finally open. So I figured that he'd just stay there for a couple of days and I'd have him collected or get him collected from the original trainers. But um, I've learned quite a lot on this journey and uh, now I understand the rules. So um, if I was going to buy something now, Nick, I think I'd have a, a sort of way of getting them home lined up ahead of the um, auction. The other part of this story is um, your wife was not exactly with you when you bought a Gaggio. What, well, she, well, I mean, she was at the race course. She was, she was at the race course. We were there with my wife and my daughter, and um, Leanne was in the loop. So um, I, I think when, when the race finished, Leanne gave me a look and said, do not buy that horse. And um, she said, I'm going to the loo, and I'll see you in a minute. So... Um, she was in the loo, she came out, and um, I believe her aunt said to her, Gary's down there being interview- interviewed by you, um, because I just bought the horse. <laughs> and this was, this was the beginning of this incredible love affair. We'll talk about one or two of the other horses in a, in a moment, but let's pay tribute to Agadjo, because whatever else you own in your career, mm. you yeah. never love a horse like this, will you? Absolutely not. He's super successful, you know. So Goodwood's our local course. And, um, you know, the, the success that he's brought us there, um, he's won some nice prize money. Um, we've, we've, you know, we've beaten a couple of favourites. We've, we've gone hurdling with him. And yesterday's race, it was just amazing. And, and I'm sure you know better than most. When, um, when they're unexpected, then they're much better days out. So this is yesterday. These are your colours in front. What amazes me is how sweetly this horse races now. And it, yeah. he was considered to be a bit of a basket case when you bought him. <laughs> he definitely was. Yeah, I remember um, when you interviewed me back at Goodwood and the, um, the old trainers saying, you know, he's not a very good horse. He plays up. He's naughty. He's this, he's that. Um, and then I think it was about 10 days after that race, um, he went to Plumpton for me when Gary had first got him. And I believe it took him about three quarters of an hour to get him back in the in the truck after after he'd run the race there because he, he just wasn't settled at all. But, you know, Gary and his team have done a great job. They worked with him, um, settled him down. And now for £23,000, I think anyone would be happy to have that horse. It's quite amazing. He's now won 104 grand. He's won seven for you. A whole load of races at Goodwood. Ten races out of 26. He's a... He's a positive machine. What's what's the next step for him? Is he going to go back on the flat, back to Goodwood? I'm not actually sure. I haven't spoken to Gary this morning. I spoke to him uh, yesterday, thanked him for, for what he'd done, and um, I, I should leave Gary to make a decision where he thinks is best. I'd like to take him back to um, to Goodwood this year. Um, there's a two-mile race, I think, on the Saturday of um, the Glorious Festival that we just missed out on uh, because of his racing last year. Hopefully we could get... I'd, I'd love to take him there because he seems to suit Goodwood really, really well.
and he is he sparked as i say this 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 love affair with with the sport that that continues um in extraordinary fashion you won the goffs million last year with galleron who you've sold a part of to to team valley he ran his comeback race in the buridon stakes on good friday at newcastle were you pleased with him very pleased both um richard ryan had traveled i was there um charlie hills was there he he had the worst draw possible for for the race that um on friday we were all really pleased with what he did um you know it's just where we take him now richard uh richard thinks he's best off going to australia so for somebody who knows nothing about racing if i was able to take a horse to australia for a big race there that again it'd just be amazing wouldn't it Probably be California next. That's where we're going next uh, to bring you the first of two key Kentucky Derby trials that took place last night. We'll be showing you the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes in a moment and a hard-fought win for Todd Pletcher's Tap It Trice, but it was an even tighter finish uh, to the most important three-year-old race out west. Let's enjoy it again. Less than a half mile to go in the run-happy Santa Anita Derby. And one in Vermilion has been there throughout. Practical move has room at the rail. Moving closer effortlessly, and here's practical move within a head of the front runner. On the outside, there goes Skinner, and Skinner's making a bold early move with a quarter of a mile to go. National Treasure is just behind him. And now it's practical move squaring off with Skinner on the outside. Mandarin here are running a valiant race. He's moving right into contention, splitting rivals with an eighth of a mile to go. Practical move a length. Mandarin Hero grinding away at him, and Skinner on the outside. Practical move. Here's Mandarin Hero surging. Practical move. Mandarin Hero. Practical move has won the run happy Santa Anita Derby by a nose over Mandarin Hero. Skinner was a close third. Clear the air, leads at three quarters of a length. Here's verifying in second. Tap it, Trice, going to be wide to the far turn. Major Blue between horses third, two lengths off the lead. Classic Car Wash is in fourth. Blazing Sevens has to go to the center of the track in fifth and is still running five lengths from the front. Ray's Kane has nearly ten lengths to make up. So does Scooby Quando, verifying the leader. Top of the stretch, Tap it, Trice is coming on to the outside. Clear the air, drops back. Blazing Sevens is fourth. Mendelssohn's March is fifth. Verifying Tap it, Trice going at it for the lead. Eighth of a mile to go. Toyota Bluegrass verifying is right there to the inside. Tappet Trice is right alongside. Past the 16th pole. Tappet Trice puts ahead in front. Tappet Trice. Tappet Trice wins the Toyota Bluegrass in the colors of the Whisper Hill Farm. Tap it Trice winning for Todd Pletcher, the Bluegrass Stakes, yesterday at Keeneland. Pletcher, of course, already has the Kentucky Derby favourite in last year's Breeders' Cup juvenile winner, Forte. But that's a second string, another string, perhaps, to his uh, already pretty impressive bow and practical move uh, winning the Santa Anita Derby. I, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit, James. I saw the, the Japanese horse there finishing just a nose second in the Santa Anita Derby. And to get your perspective on this... Um, sweeping move that Japan has made in the last two, two and a half years to, to conquer so many of these international frontiers. Yeah, I, I, I was speaking to the, Sir Michael about this last week, actually. You know, all the years I was travelling for him and going all around the world and seeing how the Japanese were sort of, they were sending horses to different jurisdictions and they were always very well staffed and they were always, they, they were taking everything in and the way they, they trained the horses I always found incredible. 
you know, brilliant. And th- I think they've, th- they've learnt how to do it now. They're, they're buying the right horses and they're sending the right horses to the right places. And um, maybe not this year, but I hope they win the ARC one year because that's, that's something that I know that's very passionate to them. But they, they've just spent a lot... For me, I think they've spent a lot of time learning where mm-hmm. they're going and buying the right stock and taking them back and the breeding, you know, horse, buying horses like Harbinger to go over there. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. And I think it's a, a very exciting time to be, to be a Japanese-trained um, tra- horse. Did you enjoy watching Equinox on World Cup night? <laughs> I did. Um, Why are you smiling? I'll be honest with you. I, I, I wasn't as excited as everyone was. I go, think, on, go on. I think he just got... Look, I, I thought Westover ran a massive race from where he was. And um, you know, he had, Ryan had to take back, and he got he, he got back down there on the rail. And I just think he got a very easy lead. Look, he's a brilliant racehorse. I'm, I'm not taking that away, but I'm just not as excited as everyone. No, that's I mean because the <laughs> the times don't lie. Don't get me wrong. The, rec- the received wisdom was that this yeah. was one of the greatest yeah. performances and you know we'd seen recently. Yeah. And I was perfectly happy to go with the flow. So it's good to hear an alternative point of view. I just, you know, when you when you're allowed to dictate like that with such a great jockey like Demuris, you know, he's he's going down the back and he he can just do what he wants. No one's pressuring for any pace. He's dictating his own fractions. Yes, he's quick and well up the straight. And like I said, the times don't lie. But I just feel that in a more competitive race where he's maybe put to the sword, turning in at Ascot, maybe in a King George, you might. F- you might see a different horse or a different. Result. Now, now the reason that the reason <laughs> that you keep no, it's not, no, but there's a reason that you're smiling, and that's because you're very closely uh, closely associated with a horse that you you would really love to take him on with. Absolutely, it does a crown. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, you, you went on social media all yeah. guns blazing. <laughs> Can't a, wait to take this equinox the, down. There's a crown. You know, he's he's exciting, isn't he? He's a he's a derby winner. He's unbeaten and he's relatively unexposed. You know, and. We're incredibly happy with him, and he's 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 done very well physically. He's he's training nicely, and let's see where we're at. Let's just remind ourselves of this because it, it, it recedes from memory so fast, mm. and yet this was the last piece of evidence yeah. that we had. Dave, as a devotee of the Derby, this was the sort of performance you really want in the in the Premier Classic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that watching this race live and watching Desert Crown travel as he did before uh, quickening to the front, the feeling at the time was, you know, we've got a really good derby winner here, haven't we, who is unexposed. I mean, obviously most derby winners are unexposed, but um, it was a shame that we didn't see um, this horse afterwards. But just watching this again, James, it, it visits upon one once again just... What an apparent upside there still seems to be to this horse. Oh, the massive, um, you know. I mean, you, you could see Richard sort of taking, half taking a pull there at the two, you know. Yeah. It was so cheesy. Again, Westover was a little unlucky. You know, well, he was very unlucky, let's be honest. And I do rate Westover as a very, very good horse. I don't think he could have beaten no, I don't your think horse, he, though. No, he, it, I think he'd I have finished a he really been, good he'd second. a very good second. Our horse was in front for a long time for a horse that's only ran three times uh, when he ran in the Dante he went to the front and just looked a bit right through greenness so he's you know he constantly you know he's he did it easily he, he's got a, a floating action hasn't he? he doesn't doesn't look as though he's the sort of horse that would want it too soft he's he's got a good action he's a very good action horse he's a very athletic horse I just think he's one of them horses that'll go on anything do you yeah I mean how often do you see a two-year-old 
in November, go to the front at Nottingham, started running around so Richie got hold of him a little bit, made him concentrate, and he picked up again. You know, he, he went away again. You, you, you go back to that Nottingham maiden, and the, the most impressive bit was the way he quickened up again, and that was winter ground, you know? Mm. I just think he's very, very good. Very good. Okay, very so good. when did you start at St Michael's Downs? What year? 99. 99. Yeah. So in that time, the litany of good horses that have come out of Freemason, how, where does this fellow rank? Well, I, I, I think I'm quite this. I think Harbinger was probably one of the best horses I've ever seen, um, and I think it, you know he obviously had that injury which which um, he, he had to retire from. But I always remember the the, the vet on the BHA vet at Chester when he won the Ormond, mm-hmm. um, saying this horse's heartbeat is just as if he's just gone out and had a canter. And the same vet was at Ascot for the King George. And I remember saying the same thing. He said, I remember sort of, you know, his, his recovery and his, his heart, you know. Just, his heart capacity. It, yeah, it was just amazing. The, That's extraordinary. Yeah, the, it, his recovery from like, you say, 10 minutes from the time you get to the Winston Coach to the, to the sample box was just re- remarkable. And I think that horse was just improving um, and getting better. The way he won the King George was amazing, but I thought he was getting better. But Desert Crown's got that, that special thing about him. Like unique, he's just so clever and intelligent, and his ability to handle things. Like we, we, you know, you you think going to Epsom, oh, how's he going to handle it? And yeah, it's a big day and all. It, there was never a concern from Sarah Denoff, the head girl, who minds him every day, and myself. And there was never a concern. It was just like this horse is just bombproof. You know, he he'll he'll handle anything. So he's got that unique thing about him. Could it be? a blessing that he didn't have that much racing last year, given the kind of campaign that you're now looking toward with him? I don't know about that. I think it would have, the horse would have coped, you know, he'd have coped with a, a King George and an Ark, but Sir Michael doing what he did, once he had that little setback, he was like, right, we can't make that in the best possible shape, so... Because you could have rushed him back, yeah, you couldn't could, you? you could have done, but that's not the right thing by the horse, and the boss would never do that. It's always the horse first, and then you know, everything else second, so um, he was extremely well managed, I must say. They took the decision, um, the boss and Said Sahel, Bruce Raymond and Richard Brown, who purchased the horse, to send him up to Dallam Hall Stud to rehab up there. Like, mm-hmm. they, they did an amazing job with him, so he had a long time up there, just turnout and walking. And in a different training, you know, a, a horse recuperating from a setback in a training yard. It's all busy, everything's happening on and off the walker and maybe, you know, but up at Dallam Hall Stud he was just treated like a stallion and everything was just about him and it was just a perfect rehabilitation. Were you quite struck as someone who's been there for, for as long as you have, um, the reaction towards your boss when Desert Crown won the derby? Yeah. It was quite notable, wasn't it? It was and it was quite an emotional day to be honest with you because like we, we thought he was, you know, we thought he could win but when it happened it was like everyone... I think everyone bar the people who had an interest in the race mm. seemed to want Sir Michael to win it. And we felt that. We felt the sort of appreciation of the achievement. And it was, it was surreal, really. You know? You know, I've been around other big, big races and what workforce went in the derby, and it was oh, well done, well done. But it was a different well done, you know. Yeah. It was really appreciated, and it was special. Um, did you feel that, Dave? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think... I think that's 
something that Sir Michael doesn't really get, if I'm perfectly honest, and that is the affection that he's um, held in in the racing community. You know, talking from a, a journalistic perspective, we all know that dealings with Sir Michael aren't always the easiest. He's not a gusher. He, you know, it's, it's a bit like trying to catch him. And so that he'll he'll say something. Even at the press conference, there were a few questions that you know he he um, batted away when when we were trying to get into the you know the the, the previous Derby winner f for Freemason Lodge had been workforce twelve years earlier, and trying to trying to uh, ask Sir Michael whether he thought the the glory days would return. You know, you're, you're up against however many hundred horses at, at Valley d'Oil these days, and of course Godolphin in Newmarket yeah. too. Um, but, and, and I think that's something that he, that he sort of struggles to get, I think, that that, that day at, at Epsom, everybody, and at the press room too, there'd be lo lots of people in there that you would think you would be surprised by their reaction to a Sir Michael Stout trained derby winner, but everybody was just... It was the it was the result that we all wanted. Mm -hmm. There's no question about that. Also, Richard Kingscott as well. This mm. um, this up and coming well, sort of a jockey who's been around for a few years and has taken that opportunity with both hands uh, as as the stables riding the stable yeah. horses. And it's going to be another big year for him. Had that little period in Florida, and of course now he's got Tony Hind booking mm. his ride, so he's going to get even even more winners. And he's a I was going to say back up to Ryan more, but Ryan is available so infrequently that you've got you know two great big race jockeys on your on your side. I know you're you're close to Ryan. You you speak with him an awful lot, consult with him an awful lot. But just how important is he to your to your yard and the way it operates still? Just in terms of advice and guidance. Oh, he's massive, massively important. I mean, you know, it's you know we train the horses in the morning then. You know, you, you need you need some feedback. You know, you you, you need to know if if uh, a, a listed filly is worth running in in the Dahlia Stakes, etc., or or it, it, if it's going to work, and if that's that, if that horse is right to travel to France, does the style of race suit him? So he's always there to 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 give us that feedback, mm -hmm. and it's invaluable. You know, and and um, he's he's a massive part of the team still. You know, even not riding for us every day. He's in riding work. He rides all the three-year-olds in the spring before they start working. He's in whenever he can, and um, just to have him there is, is, yeah, very helpful. It's a big, t it's a team thing, you know. We don't make all the t the boss and I don't make all the decisions. It's about bits coming from, like Richard King's got Ryan Moore and Ted Durkin who rides work for us, and even the, the head staff saying, you know, it's, it's all massive that we make the right decision for the horse. You were um, you were telling us a little earlier about about a, a pretty key decision Ryan made for you around about, not the, quite this time last year, but nearly this, yeah. this, this time last year. And I thought that just encapsulated yeah, it does why, it's, it, why it's pretty critical to have a guy like him around. Yeah, I think it's the best entry Ryan's ever made. <laughs> so, so <laughs> the best entry he's ever made. <laughs> the best entry he's ever made. So, so the, we'd gone through what we're doing with some of the fillies and we, uh, the boss and I thought lights on should go to the Chiefly Park filly, should maybe go to the Dahlia Stakes and, and at the Guineas meeting. And uh, she just worked and worked nicely and Ryan... Ryan rang me on the heath, or the, the boss and I on the heath, and said, do you realise there's only four entries or five entries in the in the Sandown Mile on the 28th? It's the this, group two. This month is yeah. the 28th of April. And, uh, oh, OK, well, he said, maybe you should put lights on in, you know, group two, you could get group two placed, and it's another step up for Chivley Park, oh. for the Chivley Park filly by Sayuni. And um, so we put her in, and Al Coffrey was in there, and we were like, 
And I think if you look back at the if you look back at the race, he just got a dream run up the rail, and it was just meant to be. I think I think he entered the horse and he won, and he a great ride. And, um, I remember looking at yeah. the car that day because I just went on a day yeah. out with my daughter. I remember looking at that race thinking she's the only one I don't fancy. <laughs> I think I was. <laughs> she was a very progressive filly, and she was she, she was just really well in the spring and great decision. But that, like you say, that's the sort of thing that is so helpful to us, you know, with these guys and identifying talent early enough. I yeah. mean, I don't think you need Ryan Moore to tell you that a horse like Nostrum is a talented horse. Um, how excited should we still be about him for all that he maybe didn't run quite as well as some of us expected him to in the Dewhurst? He's incredibly well, exciting. Though. Look, he's a, he's a great big horse, great big horse. And this is him second from the left yeah. in the Dewhurst. So Chaldean is the horse in front. Um, Royal Scotsman rattles home the pink and green, and you're just the first colours of Judmont there, the pink cap. Yeah, I, th- I think like in it, I think the boss was quoted as saying, in an ideal world, we'd have gone to Doncaster mm. for the listed race, which would have given us a lot more time to go to a Dewhurst. That's right. And I think if you if you saw the horse in the paddock, he's by far the biggest, strongest horse in in, in the race, and maybe 16 days between the Group 3 and the Dewhurst might just not been enough time. Because that was the weekend where the, Her Late Majesty died, wasn't That's it? That's right. Yeah. And, and therefore the, he had to go to the Newmarket race exactly. rather than the Doncaster race. And I just think he didn't hit the line as well as he did at Newmarket mm-hmm. when, when Ryan rode him in the Group 3. But, you know, he's, he's, he's done physically, he's, he's in great shape, he's training well. Do you see him as a, as a horse who can, who can run in a Guineas? Or do you see him more as a, a Derby type? I don't see him as a derby type. You see him as a no, guineas horse? I see him as a guineas horse and maybe even 10 furlongs later in the year. Um, I think the, the winner of the Jewess is very special. I think that might be a very good horse. Um, Chaldean? Yeah. Um, I hope it does well in the Greenham. And then we'll see where we're at with our boy. But um, I think like Barry Mahan was quoting saying he doesn't mind racing together like they did in the Jewess. But we've got entries in the French and the Irish guineas. Um, personally, I'd, I'd like to see him run the guineas down here. Um, he's handled the track well twice, and he's 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 a, he's a very exciting horse. And you know, if you're if you're Sir Michael Stout and you train in Newmarket and you're Judmont, you know that that Newmarket Classic, whatever anybody says, is primus inter pares, isn't it? That's the that's the the race that you want to win. Of course it is. I mean, you you don't compare Irish Guineas when it's the French. You know, often they go to each each one, but the the English Guineas is the is the classic, isn't it? You know, for us, that's the classic. We mentioned the Royal Connection. Um, the King and the Queen Consort have a quite an exciting three-year-old in Sir Michael's care this year, a horse called Circle of Fire. Again, we don't really know how good this horse is. You've got a much better idea than we have. Nor do we, to be honest with you. He's a, he's a, he's a horse that quickened up very well. He, he ran at Leicester. He, he was in the gates for such a long time. He's a lovely big Almanzor colt, and he missed a kick and came home late, and it was a bit messy. So when he went to Salisbury, it was all very smooth, and Ryan pulled him out to to lengthen, and he actually said to me he was surprised how how he quickened so well because mm-hmm. he doesn't show us that at home. He's he's a he's a very laid back horse. Um, the boss the boss and Ryan and I were talking in the week, and he deserves to take his chance in a race at like Sandown, you know, on the on the twenty eighth. The classic trial. Yeah, he he, de- he deserves a chance to go there, and he's 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 an exciting horse, and he's done physically well in the last six weeks. He's, a, he's an incredibly easy horse to train. Um, he's got a great mind, so why not? 42 years since Shergar won the Sandown Classic trial. 
And uh, <laughs> here, is, here is Circle of Fire winning at Salisbury. As you say, he looks a he looks a pleasingly laid back. Yeah, sometimes. incredibly laid back, and he'll he'll stay he'll stay twelve furlongs and possibly even more. Um, he's just a he's just a really nice horse. Look, see see the way he quickened there and put. You know, he gained a length and more there inside half a furlong. And nobody knock that. Nobody at your place will thank me for trying to rev up the idea of a Royal Derby winner this year. Uh, we've been here before. We know. <laughs> we've seen how this movie ended a few times as well. Carlton House was the one that got away yeah. in in 2011. Does that still sting a bit? I don't know if it stings a bit. I think did he stay? You know, there was a bit of trouble in running. I don't know. Was he the best horse in the race? No. We just came away from it like it was a disappointment. But I don't think anyone thought in the yard. Oh, that's a Derby that got away. No, I don't, well, personally, I don't think it's a derby that got away. And his away. subsequent career certainly yeah, didn't, yeah, didn't exactly. suggest that either, did it? Yeah, so it was it was exciting build up, but um, wasn't to be, unfortunately. I seem to remember uh, David Simcock on this sofa blamed himself yeah. for that. <laughs> I think one of his horses got in the way a bit, didn't it? Or something, I don't know. Well, because there was a sort of a hundred to one yeah. shot or whatever that was just a little bit in That's the way. That's a derby right? for you. You have to well, <laughs> you have to get the trip round as well as to have the ability. Exactly. I, I mean, you've got a. A clutch of nice older horses still at Freemason, the Potapova's Solid Stone. Um, is Regal Reality still going? Regal Reality's still there, yeah. Is yeah. He still, what yeah. the hell is he now? Oh Christ almighty, you've got He's me there. He's coming up to seven, past is he? Ages, isn't he? <laughs> Mr Dunn's horse, he was delighted when he won at um, Windsor there last year. He's, he's just a character. He's a great, great horse to have around. He just needs things to go his, own, his right. Like, ideally, nine, ten furlongs, they go very quick and they come back on his lap. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that's what he... That's what he needs, the horses to come back. And then he gets interested and runs by him. But he, he's, a, he's a lovely horse to have around the place. And he'll, he'll, he'll pick up another group race this year and pay for himself. But we, we can talk about those older horses as much as we want. There's one amongst the, amongst the older horses who we haven't mentioned so far, who we must talk about, and that's Bay Bridge, Bay Bridge. Who, who stays in training. They could have gone to stud with him. Could have done. After Ascot. Bally Lynch. And, and that's James Wiggins. Yeah, yeah. They could have done on the back of that, but um, I think the owners and Sir Michael and just think that there's more to get out of this horse yet. You know, this was he was incredibly one. good here in the Champion Stakes. Look, it, there's, there's no secret that he needs good ground or easier. You know, he's he's a very big horse, very heavy, strong horse. It might just be worth remembering who we've got in this picture. We've got a day are in second. My Prospero, Prospero, who Tom Marquand was bigging up earlier in the show in third. Baid, obviously we knew he disappointed that day, but he was fourth and back in fifth. Dubai Honour. Dubai Honour, who's won more money down in Australia yesterday morning than Baybridge won in the Champions Stakes, and he was sixth. So if he's got a big day in him this year, if he's got a real big day again, what's it going to be, Baybridge? I think if he's got a big day, it could be, could very well be the Champions Stakes again. Um, Eclipse, maybe. I think Royal. You can't tell with Royal Ascot ground. You can second guess it as much as you want. It can rain that week and it can come up soft. But um, something like that. They're the sort of races we'll be looking at: the Champion Stakes, the Eclipse, and maybe even a mile and a half. My next guest has tasted success at the highest level. He's a multiple Grade One winning trainer. He's won Grade Ones at Cheltenham and Punchestown. He's enjoyed great success at Aintree as well. This season, he's really starting to try and re-establish himself, his team, 
and his stable after a series of uh, professional and personal bumps in the road, and he's doing so with considerable aplomb. He is Warren Greatrex now, the master of Roanhurst stables in Upper Lambourne. Um, Warren, great to see you. Hi, how are you? Thanks uh, for having me. Not, n not at all, thanks for coming in. Um, it, it's fair to say that since you were last here, uh, life's taken a, a number of twists and turns that you might not have you might not have foreseen really. It hasn't all been plain sailing, has it? No, it hasn't, no. Um, yeah, the last time I hit, I can't remember when it was, 2018, something mm. like that. Yeah, so we've... Uh, and things were going swimmingly. Yeah, going swimmingly and some, you know, top-class horses, etc. And like everything, the, those ones have uh, gone by the wayside and, and moved yards and quite a lot happening. And, uh, yeah, so uh, just had a couple of quieter seasons, but it looks... The future looks good. I'm very excited. The future looks bright, and obviously this has been a been a much better season. From sort of 2018 to, to 2020, if you like, just just talk us through sort of what what sort of happened really in in terms of where things started to kind of unpick at the seams a little bit. Um, I just I think it's just that the those horses, um, the likes of Colhard and Mr. Proach, um, La Bagawa, One Track Mind. You know these horses were winning Grade Ones and. And then La Bagawab was just coming to the end, and we were just the the next group of horses just weren't weren't as uh, as good. And then I was at Uplands at the time, and things were changing there, and I, I was going to have to find somewhere else. And uh, it was probably not not so much take my off the off the ball, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been taxing, but uh, it makes you stronger. Yeah, I mean, you had an awful lot to manage, didn't you, in terms of you? Yeah. Young family, you a lot of children. Yeah, yeah. Five, I think, at the last five, count. Five, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that is it. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No definitely. more. Yeah. Um, and you, you move. You know, one of the stressful things in life, you know, establishing your family, moving yards as well, um, and you need your horses to be delivering for you, and they weren't delivering for you. No, no, and yeah, and they probably just they weren't as good as I had hoped. Um, the young stock coming through just didn't reached the, the the expectations that I thought they would and then it's look we all know it's it's hard to find the next good one and uh, yeah and just probably a bit of everything just this dip in form started but yeah like I say it I think we're uh, we're coming back now yeah and and those early successes were spectacular ones as well because you take a a horse who was quite blue collar really to begin with like Cole Harden turn him into a champion you take a mare like La Bagua and you go to the Dublin Racing Festival and win a Grade One, which now people think is unthinkable for yeah, a British trainer. Yeah, and still the only one, I think. Is she still the only I, one? I think yeah. I'm the only English trainer to win a Grade One there. And punch since it became the Dublin Racing yeah, Festival, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and I, I was. I think it's important to think outside the box and uh, do something different. And like I took one track mine to Punchdown, he won the Grade One there, the Big Stairs Hurdle, and. It's, yeah, and Cole Harden, I mean, he was a really hard horse to train. He had terrible knees and, you know, he, was, he used to swim a lot. And um, Graham Baines, who rode him at the time, did a fantastic job with him. And if anyone had said he would, you know, he would have won a world hurdle, they would have thought, you're crazy. But I think sometimes you, you've got to think big and, uh, and uh, yeah, watching it there. You know, great times. And when you're having those lower times, these are the days you want because... That's what it's all about. But I suppose this could have a, a double effect on you, really. You look at it on one way and think, yeah, I can really do this job because mm. that's what I did. Yeah. You look at it on another, through another prism and you think, 
God, I used to be able to do that, and I can't do that anymore. Where, where were you? Where were you in, in there? Um, I, know, I know I can do the job, and I've proved it um, time and time again. But you do, it's just like anything, when you're not being able to compete at that level, it's more you've just got to be careful that the outside world are thinking, God, has he, has he forgotten what, he's, you know, what he could do? Mm-hmm. I've never felt that. You do have times where you just question yourself, but I think you've just got to keep doing what you, you, know, what you do best and, and believe in yourself, um, which anyone that knows me, I do. And uh, it's, it, the longer it goes on, the more you want it back. Uh, now, you're, you're someone who... Who enjoys life? You've got a ke- you've got a keen sense of humour, even if you try and portray this exterior of great of great seriousness. <laughs> um, did you keep your sense of humour throughout? Yeah, I think so. I'd like to think so. Like, yeah, you're you're right. You know, anyone that knows me, um, yeah, I uh, I don't take life too seriously. Um, I mean, my producer's saying that you're a big Spurs fan, so you must have a good a sense of great, humor. But, great sense of humor, yeah. But you know, again, I'm 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 out of my depth here. But yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's the taxing time as well. So that added to the issues. Um, but yeah, I think you've got to keep your sense of humor. I'm I'm very lucky. You know, Tess, my wife, family, kids. You know, they're very important, and they sort of keep you striving forward. And you know, we just, you know we want I want to be successful for them and for them to be proud of what I'm doing. You know. Now, your move to, to Roanhurst um, hit the headlines at the time because mm. it had been the stable where you'd really kind of grown up a bit, I suppose, yeah. under the tutelage of your, your old boss, Oliver Sherwood. Now, Oliver was on the sofa earlier in the, in the season and um, he said it's all kind of water under the bridge now. But there was, there was some rancour at the time. How are you guys together now? Yeah, all good. And I, I could see it from... I could definitely see it from Oliver and uh, T's point of view and... Uh, it wasn't easy, but at, at the time, I was sort of in a situation. I had to, you know, I was having to move from Uplands, and we had to make a decision. And Jim and Claire Bryce, who have now become very good friends and bought Roanhurst, um, it was sort of not taken out of my hands, but they wanted to help, and this situation came. Because it was on the market. Yeah, it was yeah. on the market and had been for a while, and... You know, I, I I knew it would cause a Tension. problem. Yeah, mm. and but you, sometimes you have to do what's right for you and your family. And at that time, that was the right thing, and I believe it still is. And if you, I mean, if you had your time again, I mean, it's not time for recriminations, but could, is there a way it could have been handled more smoothly so that everyone didn't feel um, as upset? I, I'm not so sure because I know what it meant, you know, what Roanhurst meant to Oliver. So I don't think, I think it would have been a sore subject anyway. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your time there as assistant because they were your, I can see you're starting to smile. Yeah. Because they were your form, formative years. I know you'd had the time with Josh Gifford and David Nicholson, but that was a, an interesting time for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. We had great times. I was there 10 years. Um, I met Tess there um, while working for Oliver Um, and yeah no we had some really good times and at the time I went there I think Oliver would say you know he was going through a quiet time and I'd like to think I helped with him and working as a really good team and became very good friends we we got back on the map and uh, 
no, some great laughs, met some great people, great friends. Your brother ruined most of it, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't, I can't, it, as in most things, I can't answer for him. <laughs> but no, it was great times, and you know, uh, it was a time I really enjoyed. And to see Oliver, who is, you know, he's still a very, you know, great friend, and to see him get back to the where he deserved to be, it was, it meant a lot. And and for you now, pushing forward, are your ambitions different to to what they were? five, ten years ago, for example, when I'm sure if I'd asked you what do you want, you'd have said, I want 150 horses and I want to be champion trainer. Do you still think like that or not? Um, I think you've got to be ambitious, but any, to tell, you know, for me to say I'm going to be champion trainer, nah, that's not going to happen. I know that. I think it's become a game of numbers. But if I can get to the numbers of horses that I had before and to compete in, you know, mm-hmm. on the big days and to keep doing what I do best and for the owners that have stayed loyal and hopefully owners going forward just to you know to do the job I you know I, the best I can do even in the time that you've been training which is what just over a decade uh, like start in 2012 yeah, yeah. Um, even in that time have you noticed owners expectations changing I've noticed that the the Cheltenham factor has become so dominant yeah that, that's that's changed you know, through, since I've been training, um, and now it is this monster that it, it's it's great. But you know, to, there's only 28 races, you know, over those four days, and we know how hard it is to uh, to win those. So it's definitely, if I've noticed anything, that is the way it's gone. So when when somebody comes to the yard, it's find me the Cheltenham winner, and then work backwards from there. Yeah, ideally, you know, everyone wants a Cheltenham winner, and uh, I've had two. So uh, no, it's, it's great, and but yeah, we know it's hard. It's tough, and there's so much more out there. Um, your stable, I, I said at the beginning of the program, you were starting quite an important new initiative, and it's quite a different initiative as well. And it's sparked by tragedy that's very close to you and very personal to you, because you you lost um, two of your staff to suicide in in quick succession. Would you tell me a little bit about the the two? Um, men, two members of your workforce that, that lost their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was just when I'd moved to um, Thronehurst and uh, it was tragic. My Michael Pitt, life and soul, lovely lad, um, son of Tim Pitt, who used to train. Um, and we were only, we'd only moved to Roanhurst um, for not long and, yeah, just the tragic news that he'd... Uh, He'd taken his life and uh, it hit, you know, my family, but the the staff just, yeah, it was just tragic. And then, and then tragedy struck again. Yeah. In, in almost alarmingly quick succession. Yeah. And yeah, so within months, David Thompson, another big member of the team, um, lovely lad. Um, again, you know, I, I count those part of the family, and uh, yeah, so he took his life too. And uh, yeah, it's tough. How do you, as the boss, as the the guy with his name on the license? I know this is very difficult. Um, how do you 
rally your troops? How do you how do you pick everybody up? I mean, the um, you know the staff are just incredible, um, and like I say, when you when I take staff on, um, Ollie, my assistant, he generally recruits the staff. But for me, you're dealing with a lot of young people. Um, a lot of young, you know, sometimes they're leaving home for the first time. So you, you're not just their boss, you're sort of a father figure. I feel, oh, I would like to be portrayed at that. And to lose two members of staff in the matter of months. And I remember this, um, David, you know, having to go and stand in front of your staff, you know, and tell them another member is gone. You know, it's, it's heartbreaking. And to see... Uh, grown men hit the floor, you know, very upset. It, it, you know, it, like you're, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just. It sort of brings it all back, and it's tough. And I took it, you know, you. It's hard not to take it personal because, you know, you sort of think I feel responsible for these members of staff, and uh, it, it was tough, you know, and uh, but the everyone was just brilliant and. That you know, the core of the staff are still there now. There wouldn't be a day that I don't go through without thinking of those two young men, and uh, it's you know, it's it's something that is you know will be with me and everyone else that was involved in it forever. Lucinda Russell, her partner Peter Scudamore, and Derek Fox. Uh, another success in this race after one for Arthur a few years ago. And uh, we are joined by the Corrick Rambler team now. Uh, good morning, everybody. And there he is. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Well, Skew, perhaps I'd better start with you because he is your beloved. I don't think you let too many people near him, do you? Oh, no, no. We have a very strong team here. I'm just, um, I just occasionally ride him. Uh, no, I, I'm very, very grateful for the team, to what they've done, honestly. You know, when people say to us why we've improved, why we're going so well, it's just we have a fantastic team behind us. Um, Corrick, I'm not sure how, how keen he is on standing and posing for us, but he looks in, he looks in fine, fine order. Um, you ride him a lot. How's he I doing? Do ride him, I, I do ride him most days. Uh, it's just the way it works out. Um, look, he, he's an extraordinary horse. Uh, as you say, he's, he's well handicapped, but um, it's no use me shouting about it he has to do the talking himself um you've ridden enough horses round there you've prepared enough horses for for entry uh, he he's he's clearly a an unusual sort of horse do you do you in your heart of hearts believe that it's a test that will suit him yes uh, very very much so i i look he he's an intelligent athlete athletic character it's sometimes when we talk about him so much you forget what a very very good horse he is but um look i'm so pleased we've got Derek fox on him because they've got to have um so much luck so much get the run haven't you and um you know i've got the outstanding rider outstanding prepared horse an outstanding team behind him after that i hope the good lord's had a few quid each way on him you know <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are plenty, plenty of people have, that's for sure, and from a, from a fair way out, too. How's his regime been since, since Cheltenham, Skew? Have you, have you tried to bring him forward from there or just keep him ticking over? Was Chel- I mean, to what extent was there more to come from Cheltenham? I'm not sure there's... I mean, if he goes to Cheltenham, 
um, goes to Aintree's as well he did at Cheltenham. It, I'd be delighted. He's, like all horses, you suddenly feel them coming to themselves. Um, I felt he was better going into Cheltenham this time than he was last year. I feel he's... I rode him this morning. I feel he's just coming right now. Look, we've got another week to go. So many things can happen. I'm not to say it's, it's no use me doing the shouting. It's Wokai. It's up to him to to do it. But I, I do feel... Um, you know, he, he's the right horse for the race. He's got the intelligence. And as you can see with him here now, he's very happy in himself. Yeah, you mentioned intelligence. I'm going to have a quick word with Lucinda if I can. Um, yeah. Lucinda, is, is he too intelligent in some ways or, or not? Um, I don't know. He's, uh, he's just a remarkable horse. I mean, he and Skew... Uh, Make make quite a good team. One of them's got a lot of brains, and one of them's got a lot of ability. I don't know. Which, I don't know which one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he's. Um, we're just really pleased with him, and I think, you know, you watch that race, the, the replay you've just done of the Ultima, and uh, you can see how he loves he loves sitting on. He loves coming through horses. You'll certainly have plenty of horses to go past um, at entry, and um, I'm just hoping that he that he has a clean, a safe passage, really, and, and we all on on well together. And it's a yeah, good day for everyone. Um, Skew was mentioning Derek Fox there right at the beginning. He, he's not a jockey who it seems to me is someone who seeks limelight, even though he's had plenty of it. What, what do you think are his, are his greatest attributes? Uh, Derek, uh, he's a remarkable horseman. He's very cool, uh, clear thinking, thinks his way through a race. Nothing really seems to bother him. But um, ultimately, he, he just when you see him on a horse, he's at one with it. Um, he really, really... Uh, understands the horses and the way that they're thinking and he makes very few mistakes Derek he's he's a fa- fabulous um addition to the team and fabulous gets on so well with, with Korak. Uh, Korak is um is giving Skew a decent workout this morning. Yeah no I was just really worried I said to your producer I'm not sure is this going to be a really wise thing to do but it's uh, so far so good I'm a bit worried I'm about to get trampled on but um yeah no he's he's been great he's already been exercised this morning so I think that's a bit of a help. Okay, I, I don't want to push my luck too much, um, but I do want a quick word on Ahoy Senor, who obviously loves Aintree, and you, you, I thought you were great after the Gold Cup insofar as you were like, well, it's too far out to say how he'd have got on, but he was certainly putting some shape to the race. How's he come out of the Gold Cup for? Yeah, it was funny, you know, he, he, it took him three or four days to sort of get over it, and I think that was almost more mentally than physically. He did have a hematoma on his quarters, but he, um, it shook him up a bit, so... Uh, we give him a little bit of extra time and, and he just is in great form just now. Um, if I had the, the legs on me, I'd run up and we could have a word with him as well in his stable. But uh, as you can see, he absolutely loves it around Aintree and we're hoping that um, he just enjoys it again this year. He, uh, he's a fabulous horse. I think I was delighted with the way he was going at, at Cheltenham. Um, you know, you can't say what if, what if, but uh, I certainly think he, he, he was uh, in a lovely routine and, and I just think he'll, yeah, I'm hoping that he'll bounce back again. It looks an even hotter race at Aintree, to be fair. It does. And I can't let you go, Lucinda, without just um, tipping our hat to the, to the life of one for Arthur, which sadly uh, end, ended recently. Uh, what an extraordinary horse he was for you and everyone concerned. Oh, uh, he was. I mean, I think, um, I think, you know, sometimes we... we we get touched by these horses and, and you don't really appreciate it. But I think the thing about Arthur, everybody adored him. He was, he appreciated it. He knew how much 
um, we adored him. Skew did a, a lovely piece the other day about how he was always surrounded by women. And I think that's right. He's owned by two women. Everyone that looked after him, his work rider, everyone um, doted on Arthur. And he had just the best life ever. I just wish it had been a little bit longer. But look, these things happen. He, he certainly changed our lives. And I think um, I think he got the recognition for it. So that's, that's good. And he's passed the baton on to the, the chap over your, over your left shoulder. Um, Correct Rambler, all the very best to you all. Look forward Thank to seeing you. you at Aintree. You want to send him a personal personal message? <laughs> Korak, don't hit the front too soon. And when you do hit the front, try and avoid looking into the crowd like you did at Cheltenham. He's, he'll be looking for you. <laughs> Great stuff. Thanks so much, team. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.